0: Hey, our guest today is Ben Matthew from the Raleigh, North Carolina area. He's a class of 2000 a graduate of Clark Summit University, and we're joined by our president, Dr. Jim Lytle, and uh, I'm Paul Golden, your host. So, Ben, welcome.
1: Yeah, thanks, Paul and Jim. Happy to be here. I'm glad to meet you because I didn't have a chance to do that back in the uh, back in the day. I think we were overseas while while you were busy here at school, part of the the famous class of 2000.
2: That's what and I hear. I was uh, fortunate to be uh, part of that group. A lot of uh, good guys and gals um, still have lifelong connections and memories and friendships with some of those folks. So yeah, class of 2000.
1: Yeah, all of us associate the class of 2000 with the Underground Cafe, which unbelievably, Ben, uh, is in its 21st year.
2: Yeah, it's amazing to see what that's become. That was a vision of uh, Scott Greening and uh, Brian Mitchell primarily, uh, Dean Pollock at the time, uh, you know, helped shepherd us through the fundraising and build out. I was fortunate to be the uh, treasurer of the student body and, and the class, I believe, at that time. I held a number of different student government roles. But, um, yeah, it was an exciting project. I was a, more of a worker bee and helping do some planning, but really the vision of, of some others and some great leaders. Well, we're sure glad you did it.
0: Our students are still enjoying uh, the Underground Cafe, and that's been a great uh, place on campus to connect. So thank you for Class of 2000. I'm thinking of Paul McGinnis and Christy Walker and Scott Greening, and the list goes on and on. (laughs) But Let's back up. What brought you to uh, Clark Summit? You're a kid from West Virginia. How in the world did you end up in Clark Summit, Pennsylvania?
2: Yeah, um, I would say, you know, Ken Rudolph's story intertwines a lot with, uh, you know, BBC at the time and now CSU. So uh Ken was on the, you know, recruitment trail at the time, got to know him. Uh He heavily influenced the decision. Um, you know, we scheduled a, a visit up there and got on the campus and just, you know, kind of felt at home, Um, met some folks, stayed in the dorm for a night or two, really enjoyed my experience there. And then, you know, started at the, with the counseling program at the time, Um, probably because they didn't have the business program. I'm a little jealous of that, that program they have now. That's probably where I would have ended up had it been you know, in place at that point. But yeah, just felt at home, really enjoyed my my visit there and decided to commit sometime early senior year, I think, of high school.
0: What dorm were you in when you came to campus? I was in Schaefer dorm. So we were uh,
2: an interesting and unique bunch of guys at that time. The funny part was most of my close friends were over in Ridley, so they would always give me a hard time about, you know, uh, being the rival dorm at the time. I have no idea if, if some of those long-term rivalries still exist or not. But uh, yeah, I was in
0: Schaefer and and, uh, right next to Ridley. At least you were a very short walk between the dorms. We talked about the class of 2000, but for you personally, Ben, what were some uh, activities or athletics, music, student leadership? Tell us more about that.
2: Yeah, student leadership for me, so I didn't play athletics. I uh, got heavily involved in student government from my first semester. I think I held some sort of position every semester for all eight semesters through there, and that started, I think, freshman, sophomore year was with the class, and then student body through counseling interest fellowship president, junior year, I believe, or we're reaching back in the uh, time vault here a little bit. And then uh, senior year, I was the uh, student body treasurer. So that was my main um, social group, my main formative development, probably at, at CSU. Uh, as you know, you know, we'll talk later about my kind of business career, but I didn't end up going into you know, traditional ministry or, or counseling for more than about a year afterwards. But it was really student leadership that developed me, interacting with other strong leaders, understanding how to organize and run events, how to plan things. Um, That was probably the, the thing that prepared me more than anything for what I what I do today. And a lot of good memories, a lot of fun.
0: Do you have a favorite professor or staff member that just really you stay in contact with today or really impacted you during your time here?
2: I haven't done uh, haven't done too well at staying in contact with folks. I would say the the two people that come to mind are going to be Matt Pollock with um, you know who's with student affairs, the dean of men. Just you know, great leader, high energy, really you know developed our class. He was our class advisor for all four years. Just learned a lot from him about leadership and you know being proactive and planning and and running an event well. And then on the professor side, you know Ted Boykin. I think he's going to come up in a lot of conversations, just a great mentor, someone who would, you know, invest in people personally, take you aside. You could, you know, have a good chat with them about life or um, your studies or whatever it would be. And I'd say those two definitely have have stood out over time.
0: That's great. And Ted Boykin is now our vice president of student development and leadership. So he's still here. In fact, he just recently spoke at our commencement ceremony. So he's still here and going, going strong. You you mentioned yeah. the counseling major. At what point did you realize, "Hey, counseling's not for me?" And what did you talk yeah. about staying on an extra year for grad school? Tell us about that.
2: Yeah, um, so I ended up in counseling mainly at the advice of, you know, others, teachers, friends, family in my life. We said, "Hey, Ben, you're, you know, good with people. I was the type of person that people came to for advice and guidance and you know, helping um, discuss, you know, heavy issues or light issues. And I was an 18-year-old kid and had no idea what I wanted to do in life. And, you know, sometimes wonder if I do now. So the counseling program seemed to fit. Um, I got into it about two years and and probably after my sophomore year, I realized I probably am not going to do this long-term for a vocation, but I still didn't know what I was going to do for that vocation. And I figured anything I do will be dealing with people and that the um, leadership experiences, the student government, the class studies, everything would would apply to whatever I did in life. So kind of took the next year after graduating to figure that out. Worked at the Scranton Counseling Center for uh, about a year prior to getting into healthcare. And that's where I've been ever since.
0: During your time here in the Clark Summit area, Northeast Pennsylvania, you uh, were blessed to meet Crystal. And uh, tell us about your your wife and maybe how you guys met and uh, your family.
2: Yeah, yeah. Crystal's a Cedarville grad, so she was from the area, um, grew up her all her life in the uh, kind of Scranton troop area, for those familiar. So we met after college, didn't know her until she came back from Cedarville. We both, uh, she graduated in 2001 and I graduated in 2000, met through mutual friends and a uh, heritage and uh, just kind of formed a, a connection there, dated for about two years and um, proposed and, you know, happily married ever since, going on 13 years now. We have two kids, uh, seven-year-old Charlotte, five-year-old Graham, and uh, they keep me young and old at the same time, I would say.
0: Well, congratulations on uh, 13 years and uh, being a father to the your son and daughter. Okay, so you're in Clark Summit. How did you end up in, tell us kind of your career path. How did you end up in the, the Raleigh area?
2: Yeah, so we had visited friends in this area for a number of years, Eric Beavers and his wife, Lisa uh, Corby, maiden name and a few other people we knew down here, Kelly Ferraro, who came through the counseling program and others, just loved the area, were ready for a bit of a change, weather more than anything out of the Northeast, loved the skiing up there, missed having a snow mountain montage, not sure what it's called these days, Um, loved all those things, loved Clark Summit, Um, lived there for 10 years after graduating until 2010, but I had a career um, opportunity to go down to Louisiana, that was a bit too far for Uh, my wife to be away from family and, and familiar culture and people and foods and all that. I'm more the adventurous side of the relationship, probably. And at the same time, she was ready to make a a career transition herself too. So we just started looking at Raleigh and said, Hey, if we're going to, you know, relocate, that's a great area. We know people. We love the climate. Seems like a great, you know, place to be. I've been wanting to get my um, MBA for years and realized if I didn't do it, then I was. 28 at the time that I probably wouldn't get it. So I enrolled or applied at NC State and uh, we kind of made the decision and said, hey, if she gets a job down here, she was a marketing manager. And if I get into the full-time MBA program at NC State, we'll move to Raleigh. Um, If not, we'll take the uh, Louisiana opportunity for a couple years and kind of see what's next. So that led us here, started my MBA program at NC State, did a full-time uh, 60 credit hour you know, graduate program. It was an awesome experience. It's what you know really prepared me specifically for the role I'm in now in corporate finance and rigorous and and a lot of work over those two years, but uh, very fulfilling and interesting and rewarding. And we love the area and and are really happy that you know we kind of ended up here and this is where we're raising our family.
0: How did your CSU undergraduate experience prepare you for your MBA? Do you feel like it was helpful or?
2: Yeah, I think from the leadership development side, more than anything, um,
0: you know, obviously from an academic perspective, I
2: use, you know, my masters a bit more in my day to day work, but on the soft skills, you know, dealing with people, time management, leadership, all those activities over time through student government, uh, running a small committee, organizing a group of 20 students to pull something off, just observing how other strong leaders, uh, interact with each other and how they communicate. You know, really that I'd say that was more formal than anything is just being sharpened by other sharp people and and having that experience to to be able to be around a lot of really great leaders and and uh, people that, you know, I was peers with, but I looked up to at the same time.
0: You've recently, I believe you're still with uh, the company, uh, UNC Health Network, and I think your title is Vice President of Corporate Finance. You're also the mm-hmm. CFO of the Shared Services. What exactly... <laughs> Explain that title and what what are your responsibilities <laughs> there at the, the health system?
2: So UNC Health is a, about a 15 hospital healthcare system. We're one of the largest in North Carolina and one of the largest academic medical centers in the country right now. So we have 15 hospitals, you know, what you would traditionally think of a hospital with outpatient surgery centers and a large physician network. So I do the corporate finance side, which is the long range financial planning. That's forecasting, modeling, it's setting Annual budget targets, working on our capital plans, figuring out how we, um, you know, pay for those plans. As I'm sure that, you know, Jim, you, you have a an annual planning process that you're always wondering. There's always an appetite for more investment <laughs> oh, yeah. than you have funds to do. You are right, and that's common in any in any business, um, you know, whether uh, not for profit or others. So I do that, and then the other hat I wear is the um, CFO of shared services. Shared services in large healthcare organizations is. Really, your overhead function. So it's your back to billing and rev cycle, your human resources, your IT, marketing, those types of uh, corporate accounting. Um, so I'm the the CFO over that area and just help with you know budget development and tracking and reporting and um, trying to figure out where I can be of service and help to those folks along the way.
0: So what staff? How many staff do you have either under your care there at UNC Health?
2: Yeah, we're uh, we're a newer department, so it's a funny transition. I came from um, one of the local hospitals, uh, UNC Rex, which is the largest hospital in that 15 hospital system. Um, but I came from a, a fairly robust department that, uh, you know, I was fortunate to be able to shape a little bit and build over time. And this role is a bit newer for the organization. We've grown rapidly over the years and hadn't had a lot of central planning um, up to this point. So I came from a department of about a dozen, and I've got a department of about five right now, um, hoping to grow to about seven. Um and those are the kind of the direct reports that that help um, you know, do the reporting and planning. And then we work with an organization of hundreds within the shared services organization. And I think we're up to forty-five thousand total employees across the healthcare system. So I have a, a piece in supporting all those folks in in one, you know, aspect or another.
0: It's neat, it's fascinating to me to see how God directs our steps and our paths and Ben Matthews with us class of two thousand and attending a small Christian school in West Virginia, you, you come in contact with a Ken Rudolph who interests you and in coming here to school and you get involved in leadership at a smaller level and mm-hmm. raising money for the underground cafe and student government. And lo and behold, 25 years later, you're leading a, sounds like a billion dollar company, UNC healthcare system and multiple employees. So it's neat to see how God <laughs> kind of scalable scaled uh, your leadership levels uh, to, to a really a, uh, new heights.
2: Yeah. Yeah. A a small piece of that influence in that healthcare system. We're, we're wide ranging and, you know, large organization, but it is, it's interesting and fascinating to see, you know, looking back when you're in the middle of things, you don't always know what's occurring. You don't always know the right step to take. Um, but I found if you just, you know, orient your thinking, you know, to biblical principles, just kind of jump in the flow of things. I, I I've never been the type that had to come to a crossroads and always wait for some very distinct yes no type ants i think if you position yourself you know into the flow of what's occurring and you orient your thought process the correct way you kind of get caught up in that stream and and you know you, you end up heading in the right direction if you're not trying to fight it upstream if you're not trying to do your own thing and all those principles you know today of you know living with integrity and making good decisions and representing yourself well those things all pay off in in business just like they do in in ministry or other places
0: that's true it's certainly important uh, excellence doing our jobs with excellence as Christ followers and living out our faith in the workplace. O- outside of the workplace, are you involved in a local church there in Carolina?
2: Yeah, we're uh, at uh, Triangle Community Church Been remote since COVID, which is, you know, a challenge for all kinds of, um, you know, local churches uh, over the past, you know, really year plus. So it's been, you know, hard to say as plugged in, there's, they've got a lot of good online resources and things for kids, uh, but that's where we're kind of plugged in locally and, and trying to figure out what the new normal looks like for all of us as we, you know, slowly get back into our our normal day to day.
0: How has COVID impacted? I mean, your healthcare system has it. I mean, what does that look like to a running a healthcare system? Is that just craziness? It's been
2: financially, yeah. It's been you know a number of fronts. So
0: the frontline workers are,
2: you know, the amazing, real, true heroes of this. You know, staff working long hours early on in the pandemic when no one knew the severity or what the outcome was you know mm-hmm. still showing up to work and those nurses and ICU staff especially that are in close contact you know you can't underestimate the the sacrifice that those folks made so it's been a challenge as as people have you know transitioned out of the workforce due to some of that burnout and stress so staffing is a little short in healthcare right now.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, financially, it was a tough hit. Uh, a lot of people delayed a lot of elective surgeries and and things that are really uh, the things that pay for a lot of the the services that don't make money in healthcare. Mm-hmm. People just being cautious about um, you know getting back into exposure to a healthcare environment, delaying treatment, mm-hmm. living with chronic pain, um, folks not involved in activities or commuting as much. Your ED volume is down you know, emergency rooms are 20 to 25% less busy uh, across, you know, most healthcare systems. So, it had a uh, multiple hundred of million dollar impact on our healthcare system yeah. over time and we're we're in the recovery stage right now of that uh, as are most of the big healthcare systems.
1: Well, hey, hey Ben, if uh if this were next fall, okay, we're, we're back here on campus and, you know, we, we, we have uh, chapel as usual. If, if I were to to snap my fingers and and you and I suddenly wound up there in chapel together and I Mm -hmm. said, uh, Hey, you've been out of school for 20 years. What, what are a couple of pieces of advice you might give to, to these students to make the next 20 years work better for them? And anything cross your mind?
2: I think just always, you know, try to, Try to live with integrity, be honest. Uh, You know, a good quote I like from, uh, I think it's Mark Twain said, if you always tell the truth, you don't have to have a good memory. (laughs) You'll never, you will, you'll cross paths with people in business that are there for the right reasons and there for the wrong reasons, just like you do in anything. (laughs) And you can easily get sucked up into internal politics and uh, empire building with an organization or whatever it is. And there are ways to ladder climb quicker than what I have done for sure. But I found that if you just focus on doing the right thing from an integrity and an ethics perspective, and the right thing for whatever company or ministry or whatever it may be you're in, you'll you'll land out okay. You're you're gonna have conflicts in anything you do, uh, but you always can go back to people recognize that you're doing it for the right reasons, the right purposes, and mm-hmm. it just helps smooth your path a little bit. So you know, there's a lot of advice I give. I, I have a lot of younger finance analysts that, that kind of come to work for me over time and just orient thinking to long-term um, mm-hmm. goals and planning, be proactive, um, you know, think about where you want to be for your next uh, career position mm-hmm. and act like you're in that role. Don't, don't wait around for someone to, to hand you something or do something. Um, most bosses are so busy that they'd love you to come and bring structure to them and an idea and initiative. And most of the time, they're not going to say, hey, that's not your job. They're going to say, great, you know, make my life easier. So
0: that's worthwhile. Hey Ben, thank you. It's been great hearing your kind of hearing your story, how the Lord led you and Crystal down to Carolina and God how God used CSU and your experiences here to really uh propel you into a successful career. So so thank you. Class of two thousand, uh Ben Matthew. Any any closing words?
2: Thanks for having me. I've got to get back on campus at some point and see all the new additions and uh, just spend some lovely time. I, I really miss fall uh, in Clarkson. A beautiful time of the year with the change of the season. So, definitely appreciate the time to reconnect a little bit with CSU and look forward to uh, hearing from both of you in the future and some of my future classmates as well. Yeah, well, I'm glad we get together. Thanks so much.
0: October 1st is Alumni Day, October 2nd is Homecoming, and anyone from Class of 2000 comes back, Jim Lada will buy you a drink at the Underground Cafe.